Oh, we're back on. <laughs> cool. Uh, morning, guys. Uh, should we just get into prayer before we get into the word, eh? Uh, Lord Jesus, I uh, thank you so much for the privilege of sharing your word this morning. I pray that you would open up the eyes and the hearts and the mind of your congregation this morning and that you would use me as a vessel, Lord, and speak the truth and speak every word that you want me to say. I pray that you would bless the congregation for this. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Cool. So let's start getting straight into the word this morning. Um, I'm going to preach today on renewing the mind. I'm going to go first to Romans 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may know what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Who wants to know what the perfect will of God is for their lives? <laughs> yep, just a few. <laughs> uh, very often I find myself consumed by the thoughts of this world today. Things to do today, life stresses, which is absolutely consumed by something that actually has little impact on my life. And I would prefer if I could choose to not rather be thinking on those things. Is, is everyone with me? Everyone had those experiences before? <laughs> and so I'll just give you a little example. So myself and Erica were driving back from um, Napier a couple of years ago. And anyone who knows Erica, every, every time is the perfect time for a selfie. <laughs> so we're going on the highway about 80 to 100 k's an hour and Erica's got her phone out taking a selfie, and um, she obviously asked me to get into the selfie as well. So anyway, I get into the selfie with Erica, and it was a beautiful selfie, by the way. But as I looked up, <laughs> I saw that we were headed like straight towards um, a head-on collision for a truck. We are on the other side of the road, and I just grabbed the wheel, and I just spun out, and by the grace of God, we just missed the truck. I don't know how we missed that truck, but we managed to miss that truck. And um, for the next, anyway, for the next... Um, I realize how dangerous a selfie can be from that, but <laughs> over the next couple of days, um, I was really, you know, struggling with some thoughts and stuff, like if we had actually died that day, what would have happened, what would be going through my family's mind, what had been going through Erica's family's mind back home, and, you know, things start getting, uh, got stuck on some anxiety and fear around it, and how sure was I that if I had died that day, I would be going to heaven, and I would have saved myself a lot of anxiety and fear if I had just gone straight into the Word that day. Because, um, you know, the Word is the truth, and it can set us free. And, you know, I started getting into the Word and quoting scriptures like, um, you know, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but nothing will come near us. That's Psalm 91, that's God's prayer and protection over us, and that's His promise. And then I started getting into some scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that is our promise. We've got to either receive that or not and believe 100% in that or not. Um, so how do we renew our minds? Back to Romans 12 too. Our mind determines our entire future and life. The mind and thoughts determine the entire outcome of our lives. The brain is the control center which controls everything. We can't do or act out anything unless we have had a thought about it. The power of a thought is something rather fascinating. 75 to 95% of the illnesses that plague us today are a direct result of our thought lives. The average person has over 30,000 thoughts a day. How important is us to take control of our thought lives? 30,000 thoughts a day. Through an uncontrolled thought life and not making our thoughts obedient to Christ, we are creating the environment for various illnesses. Research shows that fear, all on its own, triggers more than 1,400 known physical and chemical responses. 
that activate more than 30 hormones which are harmful to our body. Ephesians 6, 13 to 17 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Notice that final verse there, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It is the only bit of armor that we have to attack the devil. Every other bit of the armor was for defense. This is our only attacking and offensive weapon. Without going with the sword into battle, we're like a soldier going into battle with the full armor and not a sword. And I don't think he would last very long out there. Without the truth and without the God, we're going into battle with our only weapon to attack the devil. For example, as I said earlier when I was um, also caught up with that anxiety and fear, I would go straight into the word as well to a, a lovely verse. I love 2 Timothy 1.7 and this is just an example how you could really fight with the word of God and fight with your sword. When you feel fear coming into your life, you say, I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Our mind is the most powerful weapon that we have. It is no wonder that the devil attacks us in this very area. He is not scared of who we are today. He is scared of whom we may become if we learn to take control of our minds and focus on the things of God. Paul, to, uh, Paul tells us clearly what to focus our time and attention on. We go to Philippians 4, verse 8 to 9. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reference, whatever is honorable, seemly and just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is worthy of excellence or worthy of praise, think on these things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Who wants the, the God of peace to be with you? The peace of God is something absolutely blissful. Paul describes earlier in this same passage that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need to put into practice and train our minds to think ourselves into the supernatural peace of God. According to the scripture, we have the gift of the peace of God, but Paul is telling us clearly what to focus our minds on in order to receive that peace of God. I don't know about you, but at times my mind tends to lean from as far from sound as possible, often disengaged, distracted, or caught up on a vicious cycle of the same thought replaying over and over in my mind. I believe the devil can work as the master of distraction. The devil comes to rob, kill, and destroy us, but he can do all three things if he gets us distracted on our God-given purpose. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ. What do you think the mind of Christ would look like? I believe the mind of Christ would be something beautiful, it will be simple, peaceful, and focused on the things of God. 
And although he came in a human body and obviously had the same thoughts and distractions and fear that we all go through, he was able every time to attack back with the word of God and attack back with the sword. Jesus in the wilderness is one of my favorite verses. He gives us the perfect example on how to overcome this battle. In Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This verse always got me a little bit confused. Why was the Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? Because in James 1, 13 to 15, it says, When you are tempted to do wrong, do not say God is tempting me. God cannot be tempted. He will never tempt anyone. A man is tempted to do wrong when he lets himself be led what his bad thoughts tell him to do. When he does what his bad thoughts tell him to do, he sins. When sin completes at work, it brings death. So was God contradicting himself in this word? I don't think so. I think Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness as an example for us when we are tempted by the devil as to how to attack the devil and overcome this battle. After fast, the same verse there, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, talking about Jesus. Notice how for 40 days and 40 nights, he, he wasn't experiencing any, any struggles or temptations. The devil waits till you're at your weakest and most vulnerable. He was hungry. Now was the time for the devil to attack. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Notice how he's questioning God, if you are the son of God. He's questioning who God is in the sight of God. And how often does, God, uh, does the devil come and attack us and say, are you children of God? And if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Before uh, Jesus went into the wilderness, he went through the waters of baptism. And it says in Matthew three seventeen that a voice descended from heaven and said, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, my beloved son. He knew exactly who he was in the sight of God, but the devil came to make a suggestion or a doubt to make him guess who he actually is in the son of God. Jesus answered, notice how he always comes back with the word of God. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Again, he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Notice how the devil also is quoting scripture in these verses. It is just out of context. How well do we have to dwell in the word to know what the word actually means? It's one thing knowing the word, and it's another thing knowing what the word means and its context. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. Jesus said to him, oh, sorry, all this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came to attend him. 
he gives us the perfect example in these verses of how to fight a thought with a thought and how to fight a lie with the truth. How important is it, us, is, is it for us uh, to meditate on the word day and night? It's like sharpening our sword ready for battle. Notice how three times the devil came to attack uh, Jesus in different areas. He's always looking for a weak point or a weakness. And he's not just going to come once, he's going to come twice, he's going to come three times, he's going to come again and again. And every time we need to be prepared um, to fight him back with the word of God. So uh, let's get into four main points of how to win this battle within our mind and be set free in order to walk in our God-given purpose. The first thing is the truth. The truth, as I mentioned earlier, is a sword. It's our ability to fight a thought with a thought. The devil really is a half-truth specialist. He would often tell us half lies or half the truth. Or he'll get like he did with Jesus, he'll get you to guess who you are in the sight of God or get you to doubt. Or he'll use the truth, but it will be out of context. So he gets us to doubt and think about what he has suggested. We need to cut him straight out with the word of God. In James uh, 4 verse 7, it says, resist the devil and he will flee. When he comes to you and he says, you are not worthy, you say, no, I am a child of God. I am loved. God loved me that he gave his one and only son for me. When he comes and says, you can't do it, I say, I can do all things through him who gives me the strength. When he says it's impossible, we say nothing is impossible with our God. The second thing is constantly renew your mind and capture your thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. We need to retrain our brains. In Philippians 4, it says, practice these things and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It says, practice these things. As with anything, practice takes time and effort. It's not going to happen overnight, but we could need to constantly, as a journey, we need to constantly practice these things. And for some people, it'll be more difficult than others. We, uh, I believe if we put the truth in our hearts, we can all be set free. A Christian neuroscientist um, who I love, is her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. Um, she has a book on how to renew the mind in 21 days. And if you get a gap this week or in the coming weeks to have a read of it, it's an excellent book on how to renew the mind. And according to her book and research, it takes 21 days to renew a thought um, or um, a thought into, oh, sorry, a negative thought into a positive thought or a lie into, tr into a truth from your conscious mind into your subconscious mind. So basically that, what that means is that it, um, it's cemented and stored, that information is cemented and stored in your memory after 21 days. And every time that same lie or that same uh, negative thought comes, you've automatically got um, the truth ready there um, the moment it surfaces to um, withstand that. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. As I said before, every thought needs to be taken into the obedience of God, but it's also a process and it also takes time. The third thing is have faith, no matter how hard or how long. 
Romans 4.17 says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Abraham is a great man of faith in the Bible. And uh, Jesus is, oh, sorry, uh, Paul's talking about, um, about Abraham here and calls into being things that were not. If Abraham did that, how much more do we need to do that? Never give up and call those things that be not as though they are. For example, we, start, we need to proclaim, and, and, um, proclaim the word of God over our lives. We need to constantly say, I have a sound mind. I have a focused mind. I have a peaceful mind. I have the mind of Christ. Even though it doesn't feel like we have that mind at the particular time, we call it out in faith and we will see God working behind the scenes. The fourth and final thing is prayer. Sometimes we forget just how powerful prayer is. With our prayer, we're not fighting battles against something imaginary. We are fighting against spiritual battles that linger in dark places. Ephesians uh, 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The power of prayer is so great that it has the power to defeat the devil and his power over us. He wants to destroy us, but God wants to bring us closer to Him. Prayer is our tool to win that battle. Prayer gives us the strength and the faith to finish the race victorious. Another two of my favorite verses would be Ephesians 6.18. Praying in the Spirit at all times. Another version says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. On all occasions praying with all kinds of prayers and requests. Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 says, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all what He has done. Pray on all occasions and pray about everything. We need to go to war in prayer. And if the Son of God, Jesus, model prayer, how much more do we have to model prayer in our lives if the Son of God even needed prayer? 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind, because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Seeking someone, which means he can't get everyone. He's looking for someone weak, and he's looking for someone who doesn't know their word. We can fight back with the sword and the word of God every time, like Jesus gave us the perfect example. Who wants to resist the devil and make sure he flees? We need to fight with everything that we have got. If he gets our thoughts, he can get our mind. If he, get our, if he gets our mind, he gets our time. If he gets our time, he gets our future. And if he gets our future, he gets our lives. I challenge you guys this week to note down some areas within your thinking life, even if it's just jotting it down on some paper and start to challenge those thoughts and those lies of the devil with the word of God and the truth. 
put them in your mind, put them in your heart. So start fighting back with the word and renew your mind and put the truth in place of the lies from the devil. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Uh, Thank you for using me as a vessel to preach uh, your word, Lord. I pray that you would let this word sink in the hearts um, and minds of your people this morning, um, that they would dwell on it this week to come, and that they may make a change in their thinking patterns for the better, focus on the things of God, and walk in their God-given purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.